We're going to go to to, uh, the book of Job, back in the book of Job, in chapter number 11 tonight. Job chapter number 11. Let me see. Let's just begin in verse number one. I'm going to read. I'm going to read the first few verses, and then if you'll leave your Bible open, we're going to look at the chapter twenty verses. It won't take a whole long time, um, but I think we can learn from Zophar. I think that we can. I think we can learn some lessons from. Him tonight. I think God's got something for us tonight. So follow along with me if you would. Chapter 11, verse number 1. Then answered Zophar the Nathanite and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure. And I am clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom. That they are double to to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Um, I titled a message tonight this. uh, Watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. Let's pray and we'll try to get started. Father, I'm very thankful that you have set aside this time for us together here at Riverside Baptist Church, as Riverside Baptist Church, as a church family, and that you have given us your word, Lord, and that you have something for us tonight, without a doubt. It's no accident who is here or is here. Lord, you, you have uh, purposed for this time that we would gather together. And now, Lord, we pray once again that you would open our hearts and minds and eyes and ears to what you have for us. And Lord, that we would receive it, that we would receive it, that it might help us to be, um, might help us to better be the Christian that we should be and be a blessing to you and a blessing to others. Use your word tonight. Illuminate it by the Spirit. Give me unction. I pray, please, God, to preach it. We, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. Old preacher from the 1700s, uh, John Wesley, was preaching a meeting. And uh, one night he was wearing a new bow tie. He had gotten a new bow tie. And the bow tie had two long streamers that came down. And there was a sister in the congregation uh, who really, as he preached, as uh, Mr. Wesley preached, uh, didn't hear a word of the sermon at all. Uh, she just sat there with a real long face and saw nothing at all except the two streamers that were coming down from Mr. Wesley's tie. 
And so when the service was over, she went up to him and said, pardon me, Mr. Wesley, um, will you allow me to give you a little criticism? To which Mr. Wesley said, uh, certainly, that will be fine. And she said, well, your bow tie is way too long, and it's an offense to me. And so he looked at this uh, woman and he said, well, uh, do you have any shears? And uh, upon receiving a pair of scissors from someone there in the congregation, Wesley handed them to this lady. And he said, you'll know best how to fix this the way you would like it. To which she enthusiastically clipped off the streamers. And he looked at her and said, well, is that okay now? Is everything all right now? And she said, yes, yes, that's much, much better. And Wesley asked for the shears and looked at the lady and said, "Uh, would you mind me giving you a little criticism? He said, "Uh, your tongue is of great offense to me. It's a little too long. And if you just stick it out here, I'll take some of it off. It is said in the story that she got the point that Mr. Wesley was trying to make. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 gives us a, a good piece of advice. It says, let your speech be always, uh, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You know, one sign of a critical spirit is the absence of grace when speaking. It, it's, it's words, a critical spirit's words come across as bitter, they come across as judgmental, and although the intent of the one with the critical spirit may be to help or, or to restore more often than not, they end up hurting the person to whom they're speaking. That's one danger of having a critical spirit. Some people say, well, what's this, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what is a critical spirit? Well, it's a ne- it's, it really, it's a negative condition of the heart that causes a person to sit in judgment over others. It's the condition that Jesus was addressing really when he said, judge not that you be not judged. And it's often marked with the following traits. It's perceived as negative, not positive. It's condemning, giving the impression that we think we're better than the one who who is getting criticized. It makes assumptions and it jumps to conclusions without seeking to know all of the facts. It judges motives, it assigns blame, it sees faults, and it seeks correction in a way that comes across as very harsh and very unloving. It's blind to its own faults and very easily offended by the criticism of others. You know, Zophar's condemnation of Job, it reveals a lot of the characteristics of a critical spirit. Because Zophar was very dogmatic about what he was saying there at the time. Eliphaz and Bildad, the two that had spoken before this time, they tried to reason with Job and they tried to convince him to examine his life for sin. 
But Zophar came up and he just straight out accuses Job of sin. He speaks with the confidence that he is right, that, 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 that Zophar is right and Job is wrong. That's another, that's another characteristic of a critical spirit, that, that Zophar is right and Job is wrong. And he directly attacks Job's reputation and his character. Zophar really shows the danger of a critical spirit. And it gives us the opportunity to examine our own lives for, for, for signs of a critical spirit. You know, it's really something. I was talking to a preacher friend on the telephone today, and, and we were talking about what, where we were at in our preaching and all. And I said, well, I'm going through the book of Job on Wednesday night. And we talked about that for a moment. Then, 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 then I brought up, I guess, what I brought up to you a couple of times about the book of Job. Oh, yeah, the book of Job. Job was a good guy, and then he lost everything he had, and then his three, three friends were jerks, and then he was restored, and everything was fine. I mean, that's the way that we see the book of Job, you know. But as we get deeper into the book of Job, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be learned from Job and his friends and what he went through, what they said, how they acted, how he reacted, all these different things. And we do know that all Scripture was given to us by the inspiration of God. And it was given to us that we might learn from it, that we might grow because of it. And I believe that in these 42 chapters of Job that we are trying to make our way through, that, that chapters such as this, when we, begin to, uh, when we begin to discern and study and pray and bring out these things, I think that we should, I think that we should examine ourselves in the light of Scripture just to make sure we're where we need to be. Because Zophar was pretty sure he was exactly where he needed to be. No, we'll see that more as we get on into this. I mean, he, he thought that he was right and Job was wrong. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to straighten this guy out. This is going to work out real good. Just give me a chance to talk to Job and I can get him straightened out. That was Zophar's, that was Zophar's attitude. It also gives us a chance to consider how we would respond when we become a victim of a brother or sister's criticism, which is important also, isn't it? Come on, because of Psalm 119, 165. Anybody know where I'm going? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, one of the big parts, one of the, one of the good hard parts about being Christian, Christ-like, is that very thing. That we, that we could be able, strong enough, I mean, in the Lord, that we could be strong enough in the Lord, that we're not going to be offended by every little thing that comes along. Come on, that, that we're not going to get all up in the air about everything. And boy, the, did you see the way they looked at me? And I think they were talking about me. And there are people over there talking, and they're probably talking about me. And all these things, I'm telling you, come on, it just gets crazy sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, come on, folks. I, I don't even want to bring in all the stuff that's happening around the world, but it could be brought in at this point because everything, everybody's offended about every little thing that goes on. And it's gotten up to a place where people are rioting about this different stuff because, man, we're right and they're wrong and all these things. I'm telling you, we need to learn to, especially as a church family, as a church body, we need to learn to get along with one another first and then we need to, be, to learn how to take criticism Without it just shooting, without it just blowing us completely out of the water. 
we don't have to be offended by every little thing that somebody says or does or whatever the case may be. Not if we know that we're trying our best to live the life that God would have us to live. We can learn from things like this. And if you've been alive long enough, you've already been criticized. And if you live very many more days, you're probably going to be criticized again. That's just part of life, isn't it? Sure. So Zophar uh, criticizes Job. We, we read it there. Let, let's read it again. Verse number one, then answered Zophar, the Nathamite, after Job had said what he said, and, and said this, should not the multitude of words be answered, and should a man full of talk be justified? So he accuses Job of not listening to their counsel. Uh, they've been saying all this stuff to Job, and then Job answers. And, and he talks about, Zophar talks about the multitude of words. Uh, it's kind of like he's saying this, Job, you sure do talk a lot. We're trying to give you some good counsel here, bud, and you're not listening. You just want to talk all the time. And Job's answers to his friends, if you've been reading along with this, Job's answers to his, his friends have been kind of lengthy. I mean, when he gets going. He, but, but he's still trying to, Job's still trying to, to sort out everything that has gone on. And, and then you think about the accusations from these so-called friends that caused him, caused him to attempt to defend himself. He knew that he wasn't as bad as they thought he was. And what Zophar thinks is that Job, all Job wants to do, Job, Zophar, come on brain, Zophar thinks that, that Job wants to do all the talking and really doesn't care uh, about what they have to say at all. He said, what, what, this multitude of words. And so, so he, no, that's the way he starts out. Job, you sure do talk a lot. Uh, and, and then he says this, verse 3. Should thy lies make men hold their peace? He accuses Job of being a liar. Job, you sure do talk a lot, but you're quite a liar. And it's really something that Zophar used a word there, for lie, that means to brag or, or, or to lie. So he thought that when Job was defending his innocence that he was blowing his own horn. Oh, come on. It's, 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 it's kind of like this. Come on, Job. Come on. You, you've been telling us that there is no big sin in your life whatsoever, that you're just Mr. Righteous and God cares about you and you know about God, but, but this isn't all adding up, Job. This isn't making any sense. And, and so, so, so far, it already made up in his mind that he did not believe Job. He's going to straighten everything out. And so he goes on to accuse Job of even mocking God in verse 3. And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? Mocking God. He, he, accused, he accused Job of mocking God because Job had claimed to be clean in the eyes of God. Verse number four, for thou hast said, he's talking to Job, for thou hast said, my doctrine is pure and I'm clean in thine, in, in thine eyes. So Job claimed to be clean in the eyes of God. And so far, wants to accuse him of mocking God. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's, let's have a quiz. You want to have a quiz? Help you wake up. <clears throat> Who was it that evaluated Job as being perfect and upright? God. It was God that did that. God was the one that did that. So was God's evaluation based upon reality? 
Yes, some of you are filthy. He's trying to trick us. No, 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 no. Okay, did, did Job do something to cause God to punish him? No. No. He, he couldn't figure out why in the world all this was going on. Not at all. So was Job clean in God's eyes? Yes, because God is the one that said that. God was the one. Zophar implied that he, Zophar, knew as much as God. Oh, no, no, look at verse number five. Look, look, look at what he's saying here. Okay, verse four, just context. For thou hast said, he's talking about what Job had said, my doctrine is pure and I'm clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee. Job, you say you're doing okay, but hey, if God would open up his mouth and talk, we know what he's going to say, Job. How'd Zophar? Zophar didn't know anything like that. Come on, somebody help me out here. Zophar didn't know anything like that whatsoever. He, he was saying, it's like Zophar was implying that he knew just as much as God. And he said that Job deserved much worse than he'd even gotten. What's well, a good friend in it? No, it says that, verse number 6, look at it. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacted of thee, uh, of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. He said, Job, hey Job, Job, listen to me. God knows exactly what is going on in your life. And yet he, and yet he only punished you about half as much as you deserve. Oh wow, so far. Aren't you a spiritual giant? Man, oh man, what a great friend. No, and you know what's wrong with Zophar? Zophar has a critical spirit. Because what he has said, what he has said thus far has been condemning and harsh and unloving and full of assumptions. Zophar is feeling pretty good about himself. Look at me, I've not been afflicted. Look at me, my kids are still alive. Look at me, I'm doing just fine. I've got my health. My wife still loves me. Whatever was on Zophar's mind. Oh no, no, he was feeling pretty good about himself. And so he puts a challenge to Job. And the next six verses that are there, these next six verses could, be, could, could have been prefaced with this statement before we read them they could be prefaced with this statement as if Zophar would say it Job you think you know God but you don't know him anywhere uh, uh, near as well as you think you do and I'm fixing to prove it no, no, Job, uh, no, no, Zophar's getting more and more pumped out. Okay, look at verse number seven. Come on, brain. Canst thou not by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? So he begins to question Job. And he asked him there in the first part of verse number seven, canst thou by searching find out God? He said, do you know where to find God, Job? Oh, come on, come on, come on. I, I'm telling you, we always talk about Job's friends, but they may be uglier than I thought. Job, you even know where you can find God? 
And, and then he goes on in verse number 7. Canst thou find out the Almighty under perfection? Do you know everything there is to know about God, Job? Are you sure you got this figured out as well as you think you do? Are you sure your life's on track the way you feel like it's on track? And then verse number 8. It, it, it is high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell. What canst thou know? It's like he's saying, do you think your knowledge is equal to God's knowledge? Well, he's putting it on him pretty heavy, isn't he? Verse number 9. The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? He said, do you really think you can escape God's judgment? Do you really think, Job, that you can keep God from punishing you? Verse 11. No, I'm trying to move on. For he knoweth vain men. He seeth wickedness also. He will not then consider it. Uh, will he not then consider it? For vain men would be wise. So he says, see, he says did, did, did you think you could keep God from finding out about your sins? Okay, we're talking about somebody with a really critical spirit. A man that really has no idea what's going on in Job's life whatsoever. Say amen right there. He has no idea what's going on in Job's life. Has no idea why the things have happened to Job. He, 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 he sat there, he's listening to Job. I, I mean, he, he, he listened to his other two friends come up and say what they wanted to say. And it's like he's saying, well, let me see, it's my turn. I'm just going to really let him have it. And he is. And he doesn't even know what's going on. He just thinks he's better than Job. I've got to be better than Job or else I ought to be getting this too. No, I mean, he's got a horrible, horrible spirit about this whole thing. Come on, do you feel the spirit behind Zophar's questioning? Let me tell you what the spirit is behind Zophar's questioning. It's prideful. Just very prideful. He's saying to Job, you don't know God near as well as you'd like everyone to believe you know God. And with that very thing, Zophar is implying that he knew God much better than Job thought. Let me tell you what that is. P-R-I-D-E. It's nothing but pride. But it's also very judgmental. Because Zophar was more than ready to point out everything. Listen to me. He was more than ready to point out everything he thought was wrong in Job's life. Everything he thought was wrong in Job's life. And it's as if he was pretty high on himself while he was doing it. The spirit behind all of this was, was uh, lacking any grace. It was lacking any compassion whatsoever. Judgmental. I was in a camp meeting years ago down in Eufaula. And Brother Sam Davison was preaching. And he made this statement during one of his messages. He said this, if you find fault, the attitude with which you found fault can be worse than the fault you found. I'm going to say it again. I've got it written in my Bible. It'd probably be good you write it in your Bible. He said, if you find fault, the attitude with which you found fault can be worse than the fault you found. And that's absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. Come on, we're real quick. All of us are real quick to say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. 
And that's very true. And we wouldn't be saved by the grace of God if it wasn't for the grace of God. We have to be careful about getting to the place where we think that uh, we know better than everybody else. That's a dangerous place to be. So he gave counsel to Job. He gave him counsel. He kept on going. He could have stopped right there because, you know, I'm pretty sure he already hurt Job bad enough. But he kept on going. And it's like he said, here's what you need to do, Job. Look at verse 13. If thou prepare thine heart. He said, get serious about getting right with God. That's what you need to do, Job. Just, just get really serious. Prepare your heart for that. Uh, uh, verse 13. And stretch out thine hands toward him. Reach out to God, Job. Reach out to God for the help that you need. Stretch out your hands. He's there. Go ahead and confess all your sins and, and repent of all of it, says in verse number 14. If iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away. Repent, Job. And let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. Get, confess all that sin. Get rid of all that sin. And if you'll do that, Job, if you'll do that, you can expect this. God's going to forgive your sin. Verse 15, for then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast, shall not fear. God will forgive your sin. God's going to remove your suffering. Uh, verse number 16, because thou shalt forget thy misery. And remember it as waters that pass away. And thine age shall be cleaner than the noonday. They shall shine forth. Thou shalt be as the morning. God will remove your suffering if you'll just do this. And then it's like he says, God's going to restore your security, and he's going to restore your peace. Verse number 18, and thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Now thou shalt dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. They say, yea, many shall make suit unto thee. So God's going to restore that peace. God's going to restore your security. Now, let me ask you a question. Look up here, please. The things that Zophar said right there about what he needed to do if he was a sinner, were they true? Oh, yeah, every word of it was true. You got sin in your life, repent of that sin. Get it out of your life. Confess it to God. Take care of all of that. Absolutely. If you do that, will God forgive your sin? Yes, definitely so. Man, erases it. Moves it as far as the east from the west. Hallelujah. Under the blood. Cast in the deepest part of the sea. Never to be brought up again. All those things. Thank God for that. When that happens, does it restore your peace? Oh, man, nothing can restore your peace like that. Does it give you security once again? Where you were fearful? Oh, yes. Definitely so. The things that Zophar said, please stay with me. The things that Zophar said were right on target. Yes, that's exactly what needed to happen if Job was in deep sin. The trouble is, is that he wasn't. So here's this know-it-all that thinks he's got Job all figured out. 
railing on him, telling him all this stuff, because uh, he's pretty sure that he knows just as much or more than God knows. And at that point, would you say, if it was you, would you say, if it was you sitting there as Job, would you say, well, that's going to help me? Well, no. Because first off, you don't have that sin in your life. Secondly, even as we stated a couple of messages ago, I think, when Zob saw his three friends show up, it may have been he thought, wow, some relief. Man, I'm so glad somebody's here to help me and comfort me and encourage me. Are y'all following me here? He thought, man, this is going to be good. Has it turned out to be good? No. No. We don't always know the whole story. The longer that I am in ministry, the more I, the more important I see that it is to give people the benefit of the doubt. The more I see the importance of um, the more I see the importance of showing the love, care, and compassion to people the way God intends us to. No, no, I'm I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, how we're to show love and care and compassion, how we're to be long-suffering because He's been long-suffering with us, how, how we are to care for people and try to help them, encourage them, and certainly how we can't see any further than God, can we? And for us to make assumptions about people and why they do what they do and whatever the case may be, it's just way out of bounds. Oh yeah, verse number 20. He says all that stuff, then he says this, but the eyes of the wicked shall fail and they shall not escape and their hope shall be as giving up the ghost. So it's like he says, you need to do that, Job, but if you don't, well, it ain't going to go so good for you. <laughs> this would be a whole different story, wouldn't it? This would be a whole different story if Job had been in sin. I mean, if Job's life would have been wicked before that time that he lost everything and his health and all this, it'd be a whole different story, wouldn't it? No, even, come on, even with his friends and what they've said along the way, it would be a whole different story. Even with what Zophar said, even if he said in a horrible spirit, but what he was saying, what he would have been saying was a truth. But in this case, it's not. It's not. The way he came across. And so it's like Job's looking for hope. He's looking for help. He's looking for encouragement. He's looking for something. 
and he's just been bombarded. You know, taking a good look at Zophar reminds us how important it really is to guard our own heart against such a harsh, critical spirit. You know, a critical spirit hurts, but a gracious spirit heals. And a critical spirit breeds conceit in a person's heart. Or they think they know better than everybody else. But a gracious spirit shows compassion to other people. But looking at this from both sides, Zophar's words should also help us to prepare how we're going to respond to a critical spirit if and when it becomes, if, if and when we become the recipient of such. And with all of that, we can learn from the words of our Savior, can't we? Okay, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. Turn over there. I'm going to read. We're going to quit. Matthew 5. Look at verse number 48, uh, 43. 43. The Lord speaking here, here's what he says. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For, me, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If ye salute your, salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We, we, we have to be very careful not to pick up on the world's ways. We have to be very careful not to be governed by our own flesh. In any situation in life, here's what we're to do, according to what Jesus just said. We're to love, and we're to bless, and we're to do good, and we're to pray. We're to watch our tongue to make sure nothing escapes out of our mouth that shouldn't. That's how God expects us to respond to those that have a critical spirit. John thirteen thirty four. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. 
I wish I could fully learn to love people the way that Jesus loves people. But we won't learn at all unless we try. No, no, we, we won't learn at all unless we practice it. We won't learn at all if every little thing that offends us sets us off and we want to come back on people the way we want to come back on people. And I'm here to tell you tonight that does not help the cause of Christ one iota. Not even a little bit. Not at all. The Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is set on, a, set on the fires of hell. It's a pretty good description of it. I have to be careful. If we want to be Christ-like, if we want to make sure that we're helping more than we're hurting, we have to watch our tongue and try to be more of a blessing then we are a judge. Let's stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the story of Job. We thank you for the lessons that you teach us as we have our hearts and eyes and ears open to you. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help, that you'd help us, that you'd help us to be Christ-like, to have a Christ-like spirit and attitude Pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be long-suffering. Lord, not be easily offended that we might be a help and a blessing to others. Father, I just pray the next few moments as we open the altar that folks would do with this message whatever you'd have them to do. We'll thank you for anything that happens. We ask it all and trust you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Piano's going to play. Many of you are to come to the altar. You need to come. Why don't you take time? Bow knee to God. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you have been hurt by someone's critical spirit. You may just need to come and ask for God's healing balm. That balm that He can provide. For the healing you need. Or maybe you've been prone to have a critical spirit. And you just need to ask God for help. Say and do things right.